0: Have, have you ever been hammered by life? I mean, have you ever been hit with one of those painful, difficult, unpleasant surprises? It's during these times when life tends to be a wee bit ugly. Marriage can be ugly. Ugly. Friendships can turn ugly. Believe it or not, parenting can't have its ugly moments. Your health can turn ugly. It could be finances. It could be cancer. It could be divorce. It could be unemployment. It could be abuse. It could be losing a loved one. It could be depression, addiction, the list just goes on and on. And I wonder if you've ever been kind of hammered by life. One of those unpleasant, difficult, painful experiences. Life has the ability to turn ugly. These past few weeks we've begun making our way through the book of John and We've been looking at the I am statements that Jesus made, statements that he made about himself that tended to prove who he says he was. Weeks ago, we heard Jesus say that he was, he said, I am the bread of life, whoever eats from me will never be hungry. And then we saw another phrase where he said that he was the light of the world and whoever followed him or walked with him would never be in darkness. Last week we heard Jesus say that he was the door, the gate, and whoever entered through him would be saved. And today in John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. And you know it's so easy for us to miss the real impact of this statement in our English translation. Because in the original text, this phrase is probably most accurately translated, I am the shepherd, the good one. You know, back in the day, there were a lot of people who were claiming to be the shepherds. People who didn't care for their sheep. Jesus is not claiming to be another shepherd or another good one. He is claiming to be, catch this now, the shepherd, the good one. The only one. Three words used in the text to um, um, translate good. Often used by Jesus or others talking about Jesus to describe who he is was this word good can be translated as the beautiful one the excellent one the all surpassing one so why does jesus say in john 10:11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd here's why the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep his followers his people that makes him the good one. He protects us. This piece of scripture says he knows us and we know him. It says that we hear his voice and we listen to it. And he also promises that when life is ugly, when our hearts are being hammered by life, it is The shepherd, the good one, who promises to care for, protect, and to gather his flock, his sheep, his people, his followers. Sheep are mentioned in the Bible over 300 times more than any other animal mentioned in the Bible. And we've said this before. We, the followers of Jesus, are compared to sheep time and time and time again. And most Christians, most followers would relax with that and feel pretty good, pretty excited because sheep are little cute, fuzzy things, right? Now, I was corrected after first service. I don't know anything really about sheep. Do do I have any shepherds here today? Anybody got sheep at home? Probably not. I don't have any sheep, but I have a book entitled... A shepherd looks at Psalms 23. This is a real life shepherd who raises sheep, who knows those woolly burgers if I could use such terminology, to, to um, uh, explain this Psalm 23 thing. And I think there's some characteristics from this book that are just so uh, applicable to the life of the follower. Now, my friend told me because the shepherd guy says that sheep are dumb, they're not smart. And I've said this before, you will never ever see a sheep act at the annual shrine circus. They're dumb. They can't do tricks. They can't roll over. They can't jump. They they, they are just dumb animals. Now, when I said that, my friend, Grant Waifman, had two lambs when he was a little guy. And he said they were the smartest animals he has ever had. So I'm saying most sheep are dumb, except for the sheep, the lambs that belongs to my friend, the sheep whisperer, my friend Grant. I told him I would share that information with you guys because I sure don't want to be one providing fake news to anyone. (laughs) Philip Keller in his book says, sheep are not clean animals. They're kind of icky poo. He says they are not smart. He says left to travel paths on their own. They will travel in the same paths until those paths become deep ruts and they actually get stuck in their own ruts. They graze in the same place until there is nothing left to graze on. They pollute their own ground with disease and parasites. They are stubborn and easily frightened. They are, he says, high maintenance and require more supervision than any other animals. They have bad uh, eyesight. They, They can't see further than 15 feet in front of their own face. So they need to follow something. Either that or get bifocals. They have little or no means of defense. They can't protect themselves. Some sheep, when they are frightened, they can just run, or some actually fall over and play dead. They have no homing instinct. A dog, a cat, a bird, they can find their way home if need be. Sheep, if they get lost, they are a goner. Now, how many people feel good about being compared to sheep? I mean, it's, it's, it's not flattery. It, it's not a compliment. Keller goes on to say that there are four requirements for sheep to relax and lay down. Number one, they have to be well fed. We mentioned this last week. That shouldn't surprise anyone here, should it? Anyone here ever get up for a midnight snack? Uh, many times I've rolled over in bed and said, hey, Debbie, you want to order a pizza? <laughs> she just throws a pillow at me and back to sleep I go. I mean, I need to be well-fed if I'm going to rest, relax. He also says that they must be confident. They will not lie down if they are fearful or sense danger. How many people lock their doors at home? Nighttime. Shut down the lock. Was there ever a time when you did not do that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, there. several years ago, we didn't lock doors. No one locked doors. Last week, we talked about what it was like being on the other side of a locked door. Well, we didn't lock doors. That wasn't a big problem. Had a friend call me this week, and he said, when they got home last Sunday after talked about being on the other side of a locked door, they locked themselves out. So that sermon came to life again. But usually, when we shut the lights down at home, when we lock the doors, that's usually when we can relax, count all the kids, all the sheep, and go to sleep. He also said that they must be content. They will not lie down if they are tormented by things like flies, gnats, and ticks. We did a little FaceTime this week. Eli had a birthday and we were talking to Abby and she said when she picked Simon up from the babysitter, he'd been outside playing, they noticed when he got home he had a tick in his ear. Now that's kind of gross, right? Didn't slow him down any. But if I was going to bed at night, I don't know about you, I would want no ticks in my ears, would you? In fact, it usually just takes one mosquito in your room at night to disrupt your ability to relax. That's the point he's making here. He also says they must be compatible. There must be no friction in the flock. They have a pecking order. Who would have thought? Do you have a pecking order at home? Who's in charge at your house? Who controls the thermostat at your house? I mean, they're, okay, somebody, you are gonna be in trouble on this side. Let's say you have a child that's pushed you to the edge and it's time to go to bed. Can't really relax unless that issue is cleared up, can you? I mean, that's the connection that we begin to have with The sheep guy. The shepherd, the one that is good, will provide and care for each and every sheep. And he will meet every need so that they can lie down. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to look at this relationship relationship, (laughs) between the shepherd and the sheep if I could do that today. So in the book of John chapter 10, I want to start reading with verse 11, and read through 18, John 10. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, the good one. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is what makes him the good one. The hired hands... Or the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, when he senses danger, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd or I am the shepherd, the good one. I know my sheep, they know me. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Now there's a lot going on in these few verses that talk about the relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. But let me just point my finger to three. And the first thing I want you to understand about the relationship is that the good shepherd, the one that is good, owns and protects his sheep. Verses 3 and 4, verse 14, verse 26 and 27. Christ Jesus says that the sheep are his. He owns the sheep. And he paid the price for your souls and mine. When he died on the cross and gave up his life, and he tells us it was not taken, he gave it up so that we might have hope of salvation. So there's an ownership Quality here. Verse twenty nine says that they, the sheep, the followers, were given to him by his father. The price, the purchase, was done. Verse eleven, our Lord's death is mentioned several times in the Book of John. John one twenty nine says it was sacrificial. Chapter two, verse eighteen through twenty two says it was brutal. It was a hard death. John ten eleven through 18 says that he willingly gave up his life for his sheep. And John 12 verses 20 to 29 says that it was a triumphant death because he rose again, giving us hope and direction for our life. He also mentions in these early verses the concept of hired hands. Hired hand has nothing connected to the sheep. So when danger comes, the Bible says the hired person runs. Why does the hired hand watch sheep? For the money. I mean, that's why he's there. He has nothing invested, so there is no difficulty. John 10.10 says that Jesus came. He says, I have come. That they, my followers, might have life and have it to the full. Now those of you who are followers of Jesus, that should make you feel pretty good. God wants us to have a full life. Anybody here want to have a full life? I do. In fact, I even like having a full stomach at the end of a meal, Don't you? I mean, it's a kind of a good feeling. And we are told here that that's what God wants us to have through Jesus is this full life. God wants his people to be happy. When life hammers your heart, I want you to remember that you have the shepherd, the good one, to help you through your hurt, through your divorce, through the loss of a loved one, through your disease, through your financial difficulty. That's why Jesus came to be our shepherd. He owns us and he protects us. We are also told that the good shepherd, the one that is good, knows his sheep. The words to know in the text, in the Greek it's gnosko. If I were to say that I, Gnosko, I know my Debbie, that would mean that I would know her intimately. And we are told that this shepherd knows Gnosko's, his sheep intimately. He knows them. He knows them by name. Anybody here grew up on the farm? Did you guys have animals? Did you name those animals? Some did, some didn't, you know? I mean, a lot of people do because they're kind of part of the family. I was at Shiloh, this is down in Missouri, it's a children's home. These two little bitty guys were taking me out to the barn to feed the buffalo. They had a buffalo. So these two little guys are taking me out to the barn, and they're on my fingers, and we get there, they tell me its name, they, they, they pat it on the nose, and then one little girl says, we're getting ready to butcher him." <laughs> I'm like, what? They were going to have a big party thing, and Buffalo Bill was going down. You know, I'm sure that was a hard thing for them to process, you know, especially when it came to mealtime. Are you eating buffalo bill? Nope. I'm having peanut butter today. (laughs) But you know, most of us who have animals, we name them, they're kind of part of us. We are told in the scripture that the shepherd knows his sheep by name. He knows your name. In fact, I'm sure the shepherds probably if they were like us, they had little nicknames for their sheep, you know? Here comes trouble. Here comes the wandering. Here comes... And you know, when, when I thought about that, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if God has a nickname for you. I mean, right here, right now, what would your nickname be? <laughs> There goes almost, they almost get it. There goes, and you know, whatever that nickname might be, I I wonder what it is for you. I don't know what name's going through your head right now, but God probably has a name for you. I don't know if it's a flattering name or a not so much, but the Bible says that the shepherd knows us, gnosko, with such intimacy that he even knows the number of hairs we have on our head. Now, I know for some of us, that's not a big deal. You know, three. (laughs) Some of us try to mix them up some and kind of get them going in all kinds of directions. But, But God knows us so intimately that he even knows our name and even the number of hairs that we have on our head. The Bible says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, the one that is good. And when he calls, they listen and they respond. We saw some Bedouins, that's what they call them nowadays when we were in Israel. Shepherds, there are still shepherds out there. I cannot believe the way they live. I cannot believe what they do. They still herd sheep. This is the 21st century Can you not say McDonald's in Hebrew? We passed McDonald's. They did not have lamb burgers. They say that some of the shepherds nowadays play flutes. And the sheep recognize the tune that their shepherd plays, and they follow or respond to the tune played on the flute. I don't know if I could do that if I was a shepherd. Playing that, come over here, quit that. You know, I don't know if I could do the tune thing. I would have probably drop kick that flute, bury it somewhere in the desert. In fact, when we were at a shop, I told Debbie, wouldn't it be great if we brought our grandkids all flutes? They would never forget this trip, nor would their parents. She said no, so then I pulled out those sharp-looking swords. This would be nice. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice, and they listen, and they obey. When your heart is being hammered by life, do you hear the voice of Jesus? Is he your healer? Is he your hope? Is he your protector? See, that's what he's wanting these people to understand in this piece, and He wants them to know that the shepherd, the one that is good, owns and protects his sheep. He wants them to remember that the shepherd knows his sheep. And he wants them to know that the shepherd, the one that is good, cares and gathers his sheep. The good shepherd loves and cares for the sheep courageously. That's his method. He's constantly looking for danger? You know, when was the last time you as your kids were growing up that you tried to protect them from danger? How many times did you tell your children, don't play in the street. Don't do this, don't talk that way. You know what the most popular word that kids learn besides mom and dad? You know what it is? No, you know why? They hear it all the time. I was kind of a natural thing of sorts and They may walk around the house all day going, no, 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 no. Why? Because you put it in their head. And they will probably go through months of therapy to get that out of there. But you put it there and you're to blame. The shepherd. David says in Psalms 23, he knows that that Jesus is his shepherd because he admits that, God being the shepherd, and how he cared for him. In verse 1 he says, I lack nothing. I have no need that's not met because... My good shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. He says in verse 4, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. He will care for and protect me from danger. He says in verse 5, I will dwell or I will stay in the presence of God. In fact, it says in the text, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the Greek, do you know what forever means? It means forever. I and mean, that's it, pretty simple. I will dwell, because he is my shepherd, I will dwell with him in his house forever. He goes on to describe green pastures, quiet waters going down the right path. He talks about dark valleys and dangerous enemies. And he says there is no issue that my shepherd cannot handle. The good shepherd's seeks the very best for his sheep. He protects, he provides, he corrects. He gathers them and then he leads them. At the end of the day, the Bible says he gathers his sheep and he leads them home. And then it talks about a pretty interesting concept here because it talks about there are some sheep that aren't a part of my pen. But I will gather them and I will bring them to my fold, and there will be one flock. Did you catch it in the text? And how many shepherds? One shepherd. These ones that are foreign to him are the Gentiles. You see, he has already called the sheep, the Jews, to be part of his kingdom, and now he opens up his kingdom, his fold, his pasture to the Gentiles. How many Jewish folk do we have here today? How many Gentiles do we have here today? Aren't you glad that the shepherd, the one that is good, wants to bring you to his pasture to care for your needs, understanding that there would just be one flock now, and one shepherd in charge. Galatians 3.26. In the kingdom of God, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, because we are all, what now? One in Christ Jesus. It isn't very difficult for believers to confess that Jesus Is the shepherd the good one? What's hard for us is to confess that we need help. We need a shepherd. Why is that? I mean, we're Americans, right? Do we need help from anyone? I mean, we are educated people, right? Do we need anyone to help? We are financially, do we need help from anyone? This is sad but true. Dallas Willard says, The Lord is my shepherd it is written on more tombstones in our land than on hearts. Fact is, life is full of troubles and hurts. And when your heart is getting hammered by life, I hope, I hope, I pray that you can turn to the shepherd, the one that is good. And allow him to be your helper, your hope, your healer. That's what following Jesus is all about. It's a relationship. It's a lifestyle. I have some friends today who are going to be baptized after this service, after you guys go. Four of my friends want to be connected closer to the shepherd than they are right now. They understand that he is the one who can give us life. He is the one who is the light of the world. They get it that he is the gate, the door, the entrance, and whoever comes into the kingdom through him will be saved. And they understand and want to make him the shepherd, the good one in their life. You know what I found out? It's easy It's easy to claim the good shepherd when life is going well, isn't it? When your kids are doing well and your kids are doing okay at school and they haven't beaten anybody up recently, we give glory to God. You know, he is my shepherd. When everything is going okay at the job and maybe your car has all the air it should have in its tires, well, you give glory to God because he is your shepherd. When you're eating well and everything is under control, your body is doing what it ought to do, you give glory to God because he is your shepherd. What I have found, it's hard, hard, hard to do is claim him as your shepherd when life is ugly, when your heart is being hammered. Let me close with this today. Jessica Council was a young woman of 30. She was pregnant with her second child and during that pregnancy, early on, she was diagnosed with cancer. The doctors recommended immediately a strategy of chemo and radiation. However, they could not promise that the baby would not be harmed, so Jessica and her husband Clint said, no, we're not doing this. We want to give this baby that God has blessed us with all the chances in the world. So then the doctors suggested abortion, and that wasn't even a consideration. They told Jessica they wanted to save her life, and she said that her daughter mattered more. With each medical offer of assistance, the baby's life would be at risk. Jessica and her husband, Clint, declined all efforts to slow down the cancer. On February the 5th, Jessica went to sleep with a headache and she never woke up. Even though her soul had passed to eternity, there was still life in her body and her Womb still held the child. The doctors performed a C-section and delivered the baby at 23 and a half weeks. Jessica fought to stay alive until the baby was out of the womb. Death a week earlier would have been death for both mother and child. But little Jesse, weighing only one pound and three ounces, came into the world because of her mother's bravery and God's timing. Clint says the all-knowing shepherd led Jessica to heaven and Jesse into his arms. Listen to these words that Clint shared less than two weeks after his wife passed and his new baby girl came into this world. He says, God is to be praised. My friends, do not doubt God. Do not be angry with him for me. I am privileged to have had a wife who was so full of the love of the Father. Rejoice with me. God has blessed Jessica in taking her to a place of perfect peace and no pain. And I am thankful for the time that I had with her rather than ungrateful for all the things we never got to do together. We must give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to all of you. That sounds like a man who knows the shepherd, the one that is good. When life is ugly, when life hammers your heart, I hope you are a man or woman who knows the good shepherd because he knows you and he wants to protect you. In fact, he has already laid down his life for you. You know, when our kids are little, when our grandkids are little, when they're not having a good moment or maybe they're not feeling very well or maybe they're just worn out, we usually scoop them up in our arms, don't we? And we begin to rock them. Sometimes we actually find that chair and we rock them and sometimes we whisper words of encouragement and love into their ears and sometimes we just sing to them, don't we? Until they relax and and then we put them down. Can you remember what that felt like when you were little? Can you remember what that feels like when you do that for your little ones? You know, I... I wonder if there's anyone here today whose heart has been hammered because of your hurt, because of your pain. I think Jesus would love to pick you up in his arms today and rock and let you know that, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this thing. It's going to be all right. And maybe he would whisper these words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in my Father and trust also in me. I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that is good because I have laid down my life for you. You know, every Sunday we provide a time of recommitment through communion. And maybe maybe this is the time that you need to claim Christ as your shepherd again maybe you need to pray Father God this week help me help me help me to let go of this issue and help me to follow you keep me close in your arms because I know you love me and you care for me help me to be your sheep will you pray with me Father God, sometimes life is hard.